Amen. Y'all do not know how long I've been waiting to share with you the vision at K-Bar. And John lets me up here all the time, and, uh, and I always have something different to share with you. But for, for a long time, I've been studying Ezekiel, and, and for a long time, I've been wanting to share the vision at K-Bar. For you Sunday schoolers, uh, my, my classmates, you've already experienced most of what we're going to talk about. Be a refresher course. I feel like I need to put on a safety belt because I know what's coming. I praise God for the vision that Ezekiel had. But before we get into it, there's something else that I want to share. Before I went on this last trip, I started getting on the Facebook thing. I, I was against Facebook for the longest time. I knocked it. I knocked it down real hard. I know, and I'm still not the biggest Facebook advocate, but I have been getting on it. If you've been reading my post, you know that I, I've kind of enjoyed writing some stuff and uh, and I enjoy writing analogies that remind me of Christianity and, and of my Savior and one thing that I, I was thinking about tonight was that little red circle next to the world that tells me I've got an announcement or, or, or a notification you know what I'm talking about and, and you click on it and there's a friend request and it's somebody that you really don't want to hear from. And so you hit ignore or not now or even delete. You know what I mean? It's somebody has been knocking on your door for a while. And I've been thinking about how many years that little red dot's been on the corner of my world. And Jesus has been sending me a friend request. And I, I was thinking about how many years I'd hit that ignore button. How many years I just said not now. And then I'd hit delete so I wouldn't have to listen to it. And every once in a while you'd get that little notification you know the one and there he is again and then finally when you say you know what I might as well just go ahead and accept this friend request and you do and then you start reading his posts hallelujah I can't get enough of his posts now I told y'all before that I, I can preach all over the world and I feel just fine but when I get in front of the scrutinizing gaze of the people that love me I get nervous <laughs> So y'all bear with me, but, <clears throat> excuse me, I always think it's going to take longer than it does. So I've got some uh, rambling to do in the beginning so I don't get done too quickly. Amen. Uh, I, I wanted to share something with you. Uh, I was talking to John Morgan. Now you've been tagged in a sermon by Jason Gospel. Uh, yeah, he was at Buffalo Wild Wings with Mike Banco and five others. Hallelujah. And I told him that I had quite a lot of a sermon to preach. And I said, John, what if I don't finish? He said, Jason, I know what you're trying to do. You better finish. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, I'm looking for a call back. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ezekiel 1, verses 1 through 3. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Kabar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Let me stop right there. Uh, Mike, just hang out right there. If I got up here and you didn't have a scripture up there, and I started telling you about a man in his 30th year, that down at the river, and the heavens opened up, and, and there were visions of God, who would you think I was talking about? Jesus, pretty quick-like, wouldn't you? 
Ezekiel is a type of Christ. You heard that about Joseph. Joseph's a type of Christ. There, there's many different Old Testament people that when you read their story, and if you begin to understand the Scriptures, you'll start to see that they are foreshadowing the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And you can look at the Old Testament and you can see that God's plan all the way from the beginning has never changed, but it's always about redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we see that in Ezekiel. And in the very first thing that he says, the 30th year. Now listen, I've read a lot of commentators. I've studied this for a long time. I've heard a lot of different people say a lot of different things. Now at this, on this date, it's been 30 years since Josiah reformed the place. It's been 30 years since they found the book of the law. And the, the reformation of Josiah's kingdom came into being. Um, but I don't think that's what he's talking about. And I'll tell you why. All throughout the book of Ezekiel... Anywhere that he mentions a date or a time of year or a year in question, he always specifies it with the time of their captivity. Anytime that he gives a date, he relates it to the time of their captivity. So when he's laying out a sequence of time and a sequence of events, he relates it to the fifth year of Jehoiakim's captivity, the sixth year, the seventh year, the eighth year, and he goes on throughout his book. This is the only time he mentions the 30th year, and he's not talking about the captivity. I believe that he's talking about how old Ezekiel is. There's commentators that disagree with that, and they're educated men, and, and I respect them, and, and Jesus died for them, but I believe that he's 30 years old, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, Ezekiel's a priest, but he's a priest out of pocket. He, he's a priest that's out of his time and place. He's a priest that's been taken out of Jerusalem where he would be serving in the temple, but now he's been taken away in the second captivity of the Chaldeans. He's been taken away to this place called the River Kabar, and he doesn't have a temple to serve in. But the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God called him to be a priest. Guess what? He's a priest and he's going to do it. And when he turns 30 years old, look, let me show you something. Uh, he's not going to be able to come back to this, but I will. So just bear with me. If he goes to Ezekiel chapter 40 and verse 1, can you do that, brother? Yeah, go down to Ezekiel 40 verse 1. Better yet, I'll just read it. Follow along. In the five and twentieth year of our captivity, there it is, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year after the, that the city was smitten, in the selfsame day the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me thither. Now this, you can stay right there, Mike. I'll come back to that one. This is the last time that an oracle is given. And, and the reason I use that word oracle is because God will come back in two years after that and he'll mention something and he'll talk to Ezekiel because Ezekiel's relationship with God is not going to end, but his service is over when he turns 50. It says in Numbers 4.3 that from 30 years old and upward, even until 50 years, all that enter in the host to do the work of the tabernacle. Can you imagine that kind of workload? You turn 30 years old, you begin your job, you work 20 years, and then you retire. Amen? And then all he's got to do is walk around and just bask in the, in the presence of God. Hallelujah. But So I believe that he's 30 years old because the very last time God uses him in a ministry capacity, when the hand of the Lord is on him and he's... he's being used for ministry for the people is in the 25th year of the captivity. Exactly 20 years after this first vision that we're seeing. So I believe that 30th year is his age. 
I, I think that I've digressed quite enough on that. <laughs> Hallelujah. But now, praise God. He says, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kabar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. Go to the next scripture. Now, that's a good one right there. Luke 3, 21 through 23. Look at this. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, and the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I am well pleased. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Ezekiel experienced something, and we get the story of Ezekiel there at the river Kabar. When he first began his ministry as a priest, as a prophet in that place by the captives, we see a vision or a foreshadowing, if you will, of what's going to happen when Jesus comes. Because when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he was there by the river Jordan. He was 30 years old. He was among the captives. And you say, well, they weren't captives. They were under Roman Empire. They were living under the Romans and they were captives to sin because if you study the New Testament like I have, you'll see that you're either a slave to Christ or you're a slave to sin. Amen. So hallelujah. When Jesus started his ministry, it was exactly like when Ezekiel started, except for Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. Now let's go to Ezekiel 1.4. We'll begin with this vision that Ezekiel has. And... Uh, I love Dan. I, I'm jump roping while I preach, so I'm getting some exercise at the same time. Hallelujah. Amen. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Here's Ezekiel, and he's standing there on the bank of the river. And I, I know I told you I got a great imagination for Scripture, so I see this guy. He's sitting there minding his own business, and maybe he's telling somebody about how good God is because he's been trained up from birth to be a priest. Remember, he knows all the Old Testament stuff. He knows all about the, the Exodus. He knows all about the slavery. He knows all about the parting of the Red Sea. He knows these things. He knows about Mount Sinai. Hallelujah. And, and, and I know the way I am where, where I just, sometimes I just imagine my Jesus coming. I just imagine how it's going to be and the things that I'm going to see. Amen. And I can imagine Ezekiel sitting there and just telling somebody about how awesome God is. And then he looks and he sees these clouds coming. And it, the Bible says it's a whirlwind and it's fire engulfing itself. And it, it's this huge, what looks like a storm. And I think he said, holy God. But not like you and I do it. Not like an expletive. I, I don't think he was using God's name in vain. I think he knew what he was looking at. He said, holy God. That's my God. Ezekiel knew what he was looking at. And uh, it, just like Nahum, look at Nahum 1.3. It says, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. God's kicking up a ruckus. He's going to see Ezekiel, and he's not slow. He's coming, amen? And Ezekiel looks at that storm coming, and he says, that's my God. Because you've got to picture this. These people are in captivity. They've been there five years. Uh, they, they haven't in sight. God has told them how long they'll be there. And, and Ezekiel, 
Praise God. He sees his God coming. How many of you, when you're in the depths of it, you're in captivity or you're in bondage there, you don't see any way out, and when you start to see God moving in your life and you recognize him, you say, that's my God coming. There's an end in sight. Hallelujah. You say, I'm going to get out of this because guess what? Here he comes. Amen. When you start to see those clouds roll back like a scroll and you hear that trumpet sound, you might be gone like that. But right before you go, I think you say, Jesus. You say, there he is. Or you say, there he And gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, hey, look it. And you'll be gone. And they'll be like, what was he fixing to say? I don't know. Amen. Exodus 19 and verse 16. And this is what Ezekiel saw. I told you on the Facebook post, I said that Ezekiel saw the past in this vision. I think when he saw that storm coming, I think when he saw the, the clouds coming and the fire, I think he knew exactly what he was looking at because he knows about the Mount Sinai experience. And it says, and it came to pass, therefore, uh, pardon me, and it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain. And the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Our God is a consuming fire. Our God came to the top of Mount Sinai. He engulfed the whole top of that mountain with his cloud, with his fire, with his lightnings. And uh, uh, oh, poor Moses was there trying to lead the people. And they said, if we hear him talk again, we're going to die. You go talk to him. And I think Ezekiel knew exactly what he was seeing. He was looking at God. Amen. Go to Ezekiel 1, 5, and 8. Because he saw God coming. He saw this storm. Now keep in mind that when, it, when the storm's coming, all he saw was the clouds. All he saw was the fire. All he saw was God's glory, but he knew it for what it was. Amen. Because he recognized the God that he had fellowship with. Amen. So Ezekiel says this in verse 5, five through 8. Five through something. I'm going to stop somewhere in the middle and talk a little bit about it because I like to hear myself talk. Also, out of the midst thereof came the likeness of the four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Excuse me, everyone had four faces. Everyone had four wings. Their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burnished brass, and they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, and they four had their four faces, and their wings. First off, he said the likeness. He said he saw the likeness of creatures. I want to explain something to you because Ezekiel, if you study Ezekiel, you see where every time in his vision he says the likeness of something. He'll say the likeness of the appearance of the glory of the Lord. And I'll tell you why. Because our little pea brains cannot comprehend God. Your little minds, and, and listen, I know all of you are probably smarter than I am, but compared to God, we're all drooling idiots, amen? And, and our little pea brains, if he was to show us what a cherubim looked like, oh, we'd probably freak smooth out and die right on the spot. So God shows us the likeness of something. God shows us an image of something that will demonstrate the characteristics of him in a way that we can understand it. In a way that we can see it and still live. Hallelujah. He does that for us. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this. For now I see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. 
Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. One day I'm going to get to glory and I get to see Jesus as He is. The Bible says in another place that we don't know what we're going to be like, but when we see Him, we're going to be like Him because we're going to see Him as He is. Hallelujah. No more veil, no more coverings, no more, Jason, this is what you can handle. But He says, Jason, this is what you've been waiting for. Amen. Hallelujah. It said they had straight feet. What does that mean? I hear, you know what? I've listened to all kinds of commentaries. I've looked and I've studied and I've searched. And he said their feet are straight feet. And there's so many commentators that say they didn't have a knee joint. Straight down their leg. Just one, one straight like, can you imagine the armies of the Lord? They might do one of these. Y'all can't see that on the internet, so I can do that. Hallelujah. So they might do that, but no. Listen, God is not going to create anything without giving it the ability to bow before Him. God didn't make anything without a knee joint. Everything in creation kneels before the Son of God. Everything. Any of these commentators that you read and they say they didn't have a knee joint, they don't know my God. They don't... uh, They obviously ain't on their face enough because God don't create something that can't kneel. God created us to kneel. Hallelujah. But they got straight feet. They don't have an ankle bone. They don't have a weak spot down there at the hoof because it says that their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot and, and they're designed for forward motion and they dig in and they move and they push and they're under a burden and they can keep pushing forward because they don't have a weak spot. They have straight feet. They're not designed for backing up. They're like that Balaam's mule-headed donkey. They're not going back. <laughs> Amen. But, uh, and, and it said like a calf's feet. Listen, there's something in there. They have to be of a clean nature to serve God. These creatures that we're looking at We're not seeing them for what they are. Remember what I told you. We're seeing them from what we can handle. He's shown us the likeness thereof that we can comprehend. And he's showing us the the characteristics of this creature that works for him. And it has feet like a calf's feet. Because, hey, listen, the filthy can't serve God. It's got to be of a clean nature. Now, you and I, we're not perfect. Not at all. By any means are we perfect, but we can serve God because we don't have a sin nature anymore. We've been born again. Hallelujah. Because when I gave my life to Jesus, I may not be perfect and I may slip in and out of sin, but I'm of a clean nature. Amen. A lost man can't do anything for the kingdom of God. A lost man cannot... And you say, well, hold on a second. He used Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, God can use a lost man. God can use whoever he wants to accomplish his purpose, but a lost man will not get up in the morning and say, I'm going to do something for the kingdom of God and have it work. Lost man cannot do for the kingdom of God. said they had man's hands under their wings. That's simple enough. It's the characteristic of something that can work, something that can serve. They're going to do the work of God. Go to Ezekiel 1, 9 through 14, brother. I got 17 pages of notes here. One down. Hallelujah. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went, everyone, straight forward. 
As for the likeness, and we'll come back to this, but let me read on so he can move. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side. They four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. Onward. Thus were their faces and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined to one another, and two covered their bodies. And they went every one straight forward. Whither the Spirit was to go, they went, and they turned not when they went. Amen? As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright. And out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. I've read so much study in this, so many very intelligent men of God. And, and I don't think they saw it. They, they saw some of it. Their wings were joined one to another. Here they stand with their, their two wings outstretched like this, joined to one another. They move as a unit. They, they, they move as a team, as one machine. Listen. The church, I, I think when Ezekiel saw this, I, I know I told you in the Facebook post that he saw heavenly obedience. When he sees these creatures and the likeness of these creatures, he sees heavenly obedience. He said, you remember Jesus when he was praying, he was teaching the disciples how to pray. And he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's showing you heavenly obedience. How is God's will done? Look at these creatures and you're going to see how God's will is done is heaven, in heaven. And Jesus said, let your will be done that way on earth. Listen, the church should act and work in unity. We should be moving with a single-minded purpose. We should be functioning and working together to accomplish the goals of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 15, 5 and 6 says this, Now the God of all patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded, one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And then it says, they went neither to the right nor to the left. We should be focused on the purpose and work of Christ. Not veering here, not getting distracted like John. He see, John will tell you, he, he'd be working on something. He'd see something shiny and come off over here. I think the church does that too. Hallelujah. We as individuals, we get distracted pretty easy. If I see a squirrel climbing up a tree over there, I'm going to want to check it out when I should be doing something else. But as a church... As church leaders, as Christian folk, we should be serving God. We should be in the Word enough to know what God's will is. And we should be set about to do God's will. Not veering to the right or to the left, but like these creatures on earth as it is in heaven. Proverbs 4, 25-27 says this, Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Amen. Luke 9 and 51. Because we're to be imitating Christ. We're to be doing like Christ did. He said, these things you've seen me do, you're going to do also. And he was talking about the miraculous, but he was also talking about the mundane. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life to show us how to live. Not just all the spectacular things that we can do. And we say, "Woo! look how God's working in me. But he showed you the day-to-day -day also. Amen. He showed you the day-to-day. -day. And it says, it came to pass when the time came that he should be received up. 
he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He knew what God's will was in his life. He knew it was going to end in a cross. And he said, I've got to go to Jerusalem. He set his face on the goal that God had for him. And he headed that way. And that's what the church needs to do. All too often, we're looking at, at the obstacles instead of the outcome. You know, we're, we're looking at the troubles instead of the finish line. And God said, just move forward and stop veering. Hallelujah. Luke 9, 62, same chapter. Down a, a few verses, Jesus said unto them, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What did James say? He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You can't ask God. You know, when I first felt the call of God on my life, my dad, my, you know, everybody knows I have a living dad in Huntsville, Texas. Uh, and most of you know that I also have a dead dad. Yeah, I'm doubly blessed. I had two of them. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. I had two of them. And one of them's gone home to glory, praise God. But when he died, God called me to preach, and he said, you're going to preach the funeral, amen? And uh, after I did that, I began to say, Lord, use me. Because he really put a fire in me. He put a fire under me. Like Jeremiah said, the word of God burned within me. And so I began to ask God, use me. How can I be used? Where can I serve? I want to preach. I want to do this. I want to do that. And so a man got in front of me. And he said, hey, Jason, why don't you go to Africa with me? You know, that's a scary moment. And uh, I kind of wanted to say, oh, I don't think that's God calling me. Oh, no. God's calling me to go down to Cancun or something. <laughs> so, but that's a double-minded man because we can't say, you know, we can't say God use me and then God says, I'm going to use you here. And you say, no, that can't be God. That's a double-minded man. Hallelujah. So he says, you cannot put your hand to the plow and look back. Amen. So these creatures, if, if the church is going to look at these creatures and say his will on earth as it is in heaven... We're going to have to move forward, not veering to the right or to the left. And John, I'm not feeling the time scrutiny. <laughs> what we talked about earlier. Praise God. Plenty of time, everybody. Everybody relax. <laughs> Woo! Listen. These four creatures, we're going to talk about their faces. These four creatures... Have, they're revealing the characteristics of God. And I told you in the Facebook post, if you saw the Facebook post, if you didn't, I'm sorry, you're just behind. You're just behind on the times. But you're one of the holdouts, and, and my hat's off to you. I, I caved in. I got on Facebook. I caved in. But if you're still holding out, I'm proud of you. Praise God. Hallelujah. But I said in the Facebook post that he saw the church. God showed Ezekiel a vision. And, and, and in the vision, once we take the whole vision in and we see it for what it is, God showed Ezekiel the church. He showed him the the church that was founded by the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And so many Old Testament preachers don't see it. And so many Old Testament studiers don't see it. So many people that have read the Bible for so long, and, and they, get, they see this vision, and they start to go, gee, I wonder what that means. Well, I tell you, I'm telling you what it means. Ezekiel saw you. When the clouds opened up and the fires came towards him at Kabar, he saw you, and he saw the church. Amen. Listen, um, in Revelation 4, 7 through 8, we see these beasts again. They're up at the throne. John was allowed to see into heaven 
and he saw these four beasts. And the first beast was like a lion. The second was like a calf. The third had the face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts each had them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And so when he so when John saw these creatures, they each had one face. They each had one of the four characteristics that the creatures in Ezekiel's vision have. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the church, Ezekiel saw the church. And as the church, we should be revealing the characteristics of God. As the saved man, Ryan, you should at least reveal a characteristic of godliness. People should be able to see you, John, and say, I see righteousness in him. People should be able to see you, sister, and say, I see compassion in her. Characteristics of godliness, but as the church, we should be revealing all of the characteristics of godliness. So when Ezekiel saw these creatures, and they all had the four faces... The church is the complete vision. The church is the complete picture. When they're in front of God, God doesn't have to see each one with all four faces. But He sees a piece of Himself in each one of them. But we as a church revealing to the lost world should reveal the entire picture. Amen? So let's look at the faces. Because uh, God's character... Listen, God's representatives should reveal the character of God. So our lives should resemble what God looks like. People should see Jesus in us. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's look at something else in the Old Testament. God's characteristics, you know, His plan never changed. His message never changed. And His vision never changed. Because He showed it to the people in the the wilderness. And He shows it to you and me. In the camp. We'll get to that in a minute. But in the camp in the wilderness, God's people would camp in a specific way. And, and you remember there were 12 tribes. And th- three tribes would camp in the north, three on the east, three on the south, and three on the west. And if you get a picture of the campsite, God had it laid out very specifically. And, uh, and as we look at the faces of these creatures coming... And it said that they four had the face of a man. Now remember, this vision is coming out of the north. These creatures are coming out of the north. So when Ezekiel sees them, Ezekiel's standing to the south, and the first face that he sees is the face of a man. Now look at the camp in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. I don't know if I don't have it here. I'm sorry. No, we're not there. We're not there. We'll get there. In the book of Numbers, chapter 2. I don't know if I have it in here. I'm sorry. If I do, we'll get to it in a minute. But in the book of Numbers chapter 2, God shows them specifically how to lay out the camp. And on the south side, on the south side, they had three tribes that camped under the standard of the tribe of Reuben. Now, I have a lot of scriptures that lead me to believe that what I'm about to tell you is the truth. I don't have time to share all of them with you. Get with me later. I'll give you everything that you want. But I believe, from what I've studied, that the standard on the, on the standard of Reuben was a picture of a man's face. I believe that from what I've studied. 
On the east side, you say, it, it says on the right-hand side of these creatures was the face of a lion. On the east side, there were three tribes. They camped under the standard of Judah. How many of you can tell me what was on that standard? The lion. Hallelujah. On the west side, on the other side, they were camped under the standard of Ephraim. And his standard was the ox. On the left-hand side of these creatures, as, as Ezekiel saw them, there was the ox. On the far side, on the north side, there were three tribes that camped under the standard of Dan. And Dan's standard was an eagle. That mighty among the winged beasts, he that makes his home in the heights. Not the high places of false worship, but in the heights where you can meet with Jesus Christ. Listen to me. The Bible says that those of us that trust in him are going to mount up on wings like eagles. Amen? Hallelujah. But we, we can see... In this, we can see the redemptive purpose. There's many people that see in these four faces that Ezekiel saw the four Gospels of Jesus Christ because Luke presented Jesus as the Son of Man. Matthew presented Jesus as the King, the Lion. Mark presented Him as the suffering servant, the ox, amen, the beast of burden, and John as the Son of God. Hallelujah. But let's go on with this. They... They had their wings stretched up, two wings stretched up like this and joined together. They have their wings stretched up like this because if they're going to take off, this is their first motion. They're ready to move at the drop of a hat. As soon as Jesus says, go, that's all they have to do. Listen, if I already got my dukes up when the fight comes, all I got to do is punch. But if I don't know it's coming, then now I've got this. They got, they got what's called reaction time. You know, if you don't have your foot on that brake pedal when the excitement starts to happen, you're going to have a little bit slower reaction time. Hallelujah. These guys are waiting for God to say move, and they got their wings up because they're ready to take off just as soon as he says. Hallelujah. You remember when Absalom was killed, he turned on his daddy, and he wanted to fight. He wanted to take over the kingdom from King David, and King David said, make sure nothing happens to my son. You remember that, brother? And uh, But Absalom... Absalom got his hair caught up in that tree. And uh, the guy come over and killed him. And then here was this runner. And, and you know, we, we badmouthed him sometimes because he didn't have a story to tell, but he was ready to go. He wanted to run because it was his job to run. We're to be instant in season and out of season. We're to be like these creatures with our wings up, ready to move at the drop of a hat. So one thing I want to say about that man, he was ready to do something. He was ready to move, amen? Hallelujah. And then it says, whither the Spirit was to go, they would go. We're to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at Exodus here. The angel of God which went before the camp of Israel. You remember when they were going to go through the wilderness? God led them out of Egypt by a pillar of cloud in the daytime, a, a pillar of fire at night. You remember that? It says here that the angel which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these. So that the one came not near the other all night. The same pillar. All I've ever known before studying this was that in the daytime was a pillar of cloud, and at nighttime was a pillar of fire. But in this instant, it went and got between the two, and the same pillar on the one side was giving light to the camp of Israel. 
And on the other side, it was providing darkness and blinding the enemies of God's people. Hallelujah. Look at 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. It says, We are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death. To the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? Amen. Christ is. We're to do... We're to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're to be preaching Jesus no matter what happens, no matter what people think about it. It's going to hurt some people's feelings. It's going to lead some people to salvation. It doesn't matter. You're going to present Jesus Christ. I know that's not mine. It was. Sorry about that. I thought I had that sucker off. Amen. But 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says that our sufficiency is of God. Amen? So we're to present Jesus Christ at all times, no matter what anybody thinks about it. To some, the savor of death unto death. To some, the savor of life unto life. Now, it says, as flash of lightning. These things moved as a flash of lightning. We are to respond to God. When He says go, we go. We go now. We don't wait. We don't, we don't say, God, are you sure this is the right time? God says, move, and these creatures move. Your will on earth as, is, as it is in heaven. If we're going to do that, if we're going to claim that, then we're going to have to live it. Amen? So when God says move, oh, Lord, I just don't know. I don't feel comfortable about that. Those people, I just they might laugh at me. God said move. These creatures like the flash of lightning. Do you remember that? They move, amen. They're quickly about the Lord's business, and we're to be doing that. Why am I missing a scripture? Bear with me. Amen. Let's get to Ezekiel chapter 1. What do you have next, brother? I may not have it. You may have it. Just, just hang on to that. Just hang on to that. I want to read something to y'all that I don't have in here apparently. Amen. Each one went straight forward. Da, da, da. Bear with me. Living creatures ran back and forth the appearance of lightning. He says in verse 15, Now as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. And the appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of beryl. And all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. I don't know why I didn't have that scripture for Mike. I'm sorry about that, but this is, this is what we want to see. I, I've studied this forever, and I looked at that, and many of you probably have too, and said, the wheel within the wheel, what, what is that about? Keep in mind the big picture. We're looking at a vision that Ezekiel had of the future church. We're seeing angelic forces that move and act according to God's will and according to God's direction when He wants them to, as He wants them to. We see angelic beings that do the will of God and now we see near them, next to them, and working with them a wheel. In the first wheel that he saw, he said, touching the earth. You are the vehicle of God's will on earth. You are that thing that God's going to use to perform the task that he wants performed here. The church, 
consists of Christians. Listen, I know we say all the time the church is not this building, and it's not. This is a church. The church is not this group of people. This group of people is a church. The church, we say, is any born-again Christian that's serving God. Any born-again Christian serving God are members of the church, but the church consists of born-again Christians, angelic forces, the knowledge of God's Word, preaching the gospel, a functioning organism. God's people doing God's work in conjunction with angels, working together to perform the tasks of God. That's what the church is. Because if we don't harness, if we don't access that, we, what did the Bible say? Aren't they all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit the kingdom of God? Something to that effect, eternal life. Hallelujah. So we see here, and now, the wheel within the wheel. Because if I'm going to be the vehicle, and if you're going to be the vehicle of God's will on earth, what's the wheel inside? The Holy Spirit is the vehicle of God's sovereignty in your life. The Holy Spirit is the vehicle of God's power enabling you to do that which God has called you to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Now let's look at Acts 9, 15 and 16. Hey, look, my brother pulled it up. Acts 9, 15, and 16. Sorry, Mike. It says, but the Lord... Now, you remember, Saul had, had met Jesus on the Damascus Road and uh, was struck blind, and so Jesus sent Saul to go see a man named Ananias, and then Jesus went to Ananias and told him, you're going to go heal this guy. And Ananias said, but I heard he was killing you people. And he, the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now the second will, as we said, is the Holy Ghost, the vehicle of God's providence and sovereignty guiding you by your faith to obey and move. And 1 Corinthians in, in 6, 19 and 20 says this. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, John will tell you, and I agree 100%, the word ye is plural. He's talking to the church. Ye, y'all, are the temple of God. In you is the Holy Spirit. The vision that Ezekiel is seeing is the church. Not one wheel, but four working together with the angelic forces, with the Holy Spirit to complete the will of God. Go to Ezekiel 1, 17 through 20. When they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. As for their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful. Their rings were full of eyes round about them for. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. When the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went. Thither was their spirit to go, and the wheels were lifted up over against them, for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. It says that their rings were so high they were dreadful. Amen. It, what that word dreadful means is awesome. It, it, it means that Ezekiel, when, when this thing rolled up, and Ezekiel's looking at it, and he's, 
looking up and up, and he can't see the end of these things. They're so high. They're awesome. His jaws drop into the ground because they're so big. And we said that that wheel touching the earth, that you're the vehicle of God's will here on earth to accomplish what he wants done. And the sphere of your influence is so much greater than you think. You know, I, I know everybody uh, always wants to hear about Africa, and I get sidetracked. All y'all that, that know me know that I get sidetracked. And so I get sidetracked preaching the Word of God, and I didn't tell you anything about Africa, and I apologize. So we were over there for a, a, a total of 18 days, and uh, we got to see 2,544 people give their life to Jesus. Hallelujah. However, amen, God, God is awesome, and He can do that. But if five of those people really take off and run with it, Five out of 2,500, if they will take off and run with it, if they'll get an education, if they'll live for Jesus, if they'll begin to proclaim His Word, they're going to go all over the world and they're going to win millions. Listen, this church, having sent two missionaries to East Africa, and you see the sum of 2,500 souls saved. And you say, that's a big number. But the wheels' rings were so high, they were dreadful. Because those five men that really take the gospel and run with it, and the millions that they win, God's going to attribute that to this church. He's going to attribute that to the, to the rings of the wheel here in Port Natchez, Texas. Amen. Your influence is so much more than you know. You tell that one person at the park about Jesus Christ and he gets saved and he goes and he wins 10 people and they go and win 10 and they go in. This isn't a pyramid scheme. It's working from the bottom up, amen. We're, we're not, nobody's getting glorified but Jesus Christ, hallelujah. But it works the same way because we see so many souls because the sphere of your influence is greater than you think, amen. Look at Ephesians 3. 17 through 21. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of... Throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. Throw the ball. <laughs> to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. Your sphere of influence is God's sphere of influence. You're working for Him. You just act in obedience like those living creatures. You just act in obedience like the angelic beings do. And God is going to get the increase. What did Paul say? I watered. Apollos planted, I watered. One watered, one planted. Well, you understand. But God gave the increase. Boy, I sound like a real preacher then, didn't I? Yeah. Amen. Help me, Lord. The rings were full of eyes round about. That's easy enough. God is not a blind director. God's not a blind director. His influence is so great because he knows everything that's going on. He sees everything that's going on. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Now, I wrote something down here. It took me a minute to get it exactly how I wanted it, and I, I still don't know if I did, but I'm going to read it for you. When the church, 
And I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about before I do that. Because it said, when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. As the living creatures moved to accomplish God's will, the wheels moved with them to accomplish that same will. Do you understand that? And then it says, And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Now when the church is working in tandem with angelic forces to accomplish the will of God, preaching the gospel, in faith laying hands on the sick, and the blind and ministering to the needs of God's people, the Holy Spirit being present and Christ being exalted, our spirits get uplifted to a new place of fellowship with Him that we could not survive in all the time. Now, some of you know what I'm talking about, and some of you are thinking, this old boy's done lost his mind. But listen, sometimes you can get in a place of fellowship with God that's higher than you could ever dream. You can get in a place. Listen, how many of you have ever been up here and, and the man of God come pray for you or even you just be up here praying by yourself and, and you're really in a position to where you're receptive of the Spirit of God and God begins to move on you. Some of you be laid out on the floor, slain in the Spirit. Some of you start rattling off, prattling in tongues. There's any number of ways that God will move on His people. But when He does, it's an experience that brings you to an elevated place. Listen, how many of you, when you're really serving God, and, and you really begin to minister to someone, and you feel the Holy Spirit moving around you, and in you, and through you, and you tell me that you're not elevated by that? But when the, when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up with them. Sometimes the church gets elevated. James said, if we'll humble ourselves, God will lift us up. Amen. If, listen, if you're staying on an even keel, you're not doing it right. That's a flat line. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Beep. You're flatlining. Somebody kicked it back into gear over there. Amen. We're almost done. I, actually, we're not. We're not even close, but I, you know what? I endeavor to be like my mentor, John Morgan. I'm going to close up right now. Now, 20 more minutes. Now, I'm just picking on you, brother. <laughs> He's looking at his eyes. Because John will tell you, he says, I'm going to close with this. And then 30 minutes later, he said, now I'm going to close with this. <laughs> Praise God. But it's, the word says, the word said that the spirit of the creatures was in, what, what happened? God said that the spirit of the creatures was in the wheels. The same spirit that directs and drives angelic forces is that same Holy Spirit that directs and drives you. It's the same one that guides you. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, there's not one spirit that's leading the angels and one spirit that's leading you. If it is, then you're following the wrong angels. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you need to get away from those. <laughs> You need to get delivered from that. And at the end of the service, come on up here and we'll pray with you because you need to be following Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But listen, the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. The spirit of the living creatures is in the wheels. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Ezekiel 1, 24 through 25. And we will wrap this up soon. 
And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of great waters, as the voice of the Almighty, the voice of speech, as the noise of an host. When they stood, they let down their wings. And there was a voice from the firmament that was above their heads when they stood and had let down their wings. Every move that the church makes should resound the message of God. Every move that these beings made, their angels made the sound of God's voice. Every move that the church makes, people should hear the message of Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go, people should see salvation in you. Everything that you say should point someone to the message of God. That's what he's saying here. Every move that they made, he heard God speaking. He said, but then when they stood, they let down their wings, and there was a voice from the firmament. When they shut up, God backed up their words. You go out preaching the gospel, and the Bible says God's going to back you up. You don't go by yourself. You don't go out there preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're really serving the Lord, God is right there. You, You are covered. Listen, I want you to know something. If you're doing it right, every move you make is reflecting Jesus Christ. Everything that you say should be leading someone to the salvation experience. And when you do, God's back there going, say, uh huh, just like he said. God's back there going, yep, just like that. God's backing them up, amen? But there's another thing here, because when God showed up on the scene, listen, we might be running around doing this for the kingdom, doing that for the kingdom, and we want to serve, we want to tell this person that, we want to get all these programs together. Listen, when God shows up on the scene, put your wings down. Just shut up and let Him talk. Amen? It it says that every move they made resounded the, the story of God, but when God showed up, they quit moving. Sometimes we just got to shut up and let him do the talking. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's finish up soon. Go to Ezekiel 1, 26 through 28. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within it, from the appearance of his loins even upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward. I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and it had a brightness round about it. As the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. A stumper. Now, finally, remember, when this, when this thing started, Ezekiel's there, and, and in my mind, he's telling somebody about God. My God's awesome. My God is a consuming fire. My God did this awesome thing on Mount Sinai, and just like with those angels, and they're preaching the word of God, and he's telling somebody this, and as soon as he's talking to them about God's fire, bam, here he comes. God's saying, yep, just like he said. Here it is, just like he said, hallelujah. And so he sees this thing, and then as it gets closer, he sees these these beings, these angels. And and as he gets closer, he begins to see detail in them. And then he sees the four faces, and then he sees the wheels on the earth. He begins to see, and he sees the wheel within the wheel. And now as it shows up, and it gets even closer to him, and he begins to see on top of the firmament, and he sees the throne of God. You remember what John saw? 
when they opened up the heavens and he saw the throne of God there and he saw all the way around the throne was the rainbow. God's word is consistent. Old Testament, New Testament, all the way through. Listen, God's word never changes. God, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The throne that Ezekiel saw is the same throne that John saw. I want you to know that when Ezekiel saw the throne of God, there on top of the vision that we see as the church, I want you to know that your only job is to lift up Jesus Christ. The church's only job is to hold up the Son of God. That's it. If you'll do that, that's all you'll have to do. John 12 and 32, he said this, If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. We're spinning our wheels out there when all we have to do is exalt the name of Jesus. The whole thing that Ezekiel saw was this church, this functioning organism, and all it really did was hold up the throne of God and do his bidding. Sounds pretty simple, amen? If we'd do it. And he said, when I saw it, I fell on my face. The presence of God is so humbling. The, the, the power of God, the, the spirit of God will bring you to a place. You remember that Mercy Me song, I Can Only Imagine? It's a great song. But I don't think there's really any question. I have knees for a reason. I think I'm going hit to the, hit the ground, amen? I don't think there's going to be any choice. But then he said, and I heard the voice of one that spake. And then the first verse in chapter 2, he says this. He said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. This is the end of it right here. He said, I saw the vision. The truth of God has been revealed to me. I've seen what I need to do. I see what I have to do. But I'm in the presence of God, and it's so powerful, and it's so humbling, and I hit the dirt. Listen, there's a time to be praying, but God says, stand up on your feet because I'm about to do something with you. You know, we can pray all day long, lay around and, and waller around and say, Lord, move, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. But unless you get up and let him do something with you, all you're going to do is just lay there. All you're doing is laying there. There's a time to pray, but he said, Son of man, stand up on thy feet because I'm going to do something with you. Amen? So how many of us tonight, listen, there's a difference. I talked a lot about the church. The church, and I know you know this, but like somebody said in the New Testament, you know it, but I'm going to bring it to your remembrance. The church is different from a church. There's a lot of members of a church that are not members of the church. Did you know that? There's a lot of members of the church that sadly enough are not members of a church. We need to lift them up. But the church needs to stand on its feet and begin to do the work of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Come on, let's come pray. Come on.